This podcast was recorded on Darug and Gadigal lands. Sovereignty was never ceded. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. A top 10 debut album, a mental breakdown, and how many haircuts? Which record are we listening to this week? Find out next on $1 Vinyl. Welcome back to One Dollar Vinyl. This is the podcast where two millennial cheapskates discover the forgotten music of the past. My name is Tess and joining me once again is our favourite co-host, Kat. Oh, favourite. Favourite and only. My f- <laughs> it's like the my time. My favourite co-host. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the time that I worked in country Victoria and I was the only speech pathologist, you know, within the entire like health network. Yeah. And I always describe myself as the best speech pathologist within 60Ks. <laughs> best and only. Technically correct. <laughs> yes, the best kind of correct. How's your weekend been, Kat? Uh, pretty good. I, actually, I went into an op shop yesterday and this particular op shop I visited maybe a few weeks ago and picked up a record. Mm-hmm. It was... Marsha Hines album, which I was thinking maybe could be an episode, but I actually don't think so. Anyway, the cover said that it included a picture disc, and the picture disc was not in there. Is a picture disc a disc with a picture on it? Funnily enough, yes, you've hit the nail on the head. Yeah, yeah, so it's it's got like an image on it, and it usually sounds terrible, but it's like purely for novelty value. Okay, sure. And so, yeah, this record that I, you know, paid $2 for, it didn't have the picture disc despite the cover. And I was like, eh, that's okay. Like, I got it from an op shop. doesn't really matter. Yeah, you can deal. Yeah. And then I went in yesterday to drop off a bunch of stuff to donate things. And as I was waiting, like, to be next at the counter, one staff member, like, went up to the other staff at the counter and had the picture disc in his hand, the Marsha Hines oh. thing. And he was like, hey, guys, I don't know where this belongs. I don't know where it came from. And I spoke up and I was like, this sounds really bizarre, but I purchased <laughs> that and I was expecting a t- picture disc to be in there. <laughs> and I just happen to be here now, but I promise you I know that that is Marsha Hines Ooh, baby, like that is the record that yeah. I purchased. And I was expecting them to go, oh, well, in that case, here, take it. Like, we've got no use for it. But is that what they did, Tess? No, it is no. not. <laughs> they looked at me, they said nothing, and the guy walked away. So, oh. I, don't, so I don't have the picture. <laughs> so did he take it with him or what? Yeah, he just like took it back and like, I don't know what he did with it, but I don't have it. <laughs> Not that I really wanted somewhere it. Somewhere out there in the world, there's a Marsha Hines picture disc floating around. No, it's not somewhere in the world. It's I know exactly where it is. It's at the <laughs> offshore. <laughs> well, maybe one day you'll find it again. Maybe. I don't really care, to be honest, but it's it's the principle of the thing, you know? Like, how rude. <laughs> they just ignored me. I know I sounded like a liar, but I wasn't. <laughs> it does sound totally like you were just being opportunistic. Oh, oh, I, oh I left. Oh, I left it here last oh, yeah, week. I swear. It's actually mine. Yeah, I actually bought that, but uh, it was missing that particular thing. I paid for it. Yeah, the receipts in my other pants. Yes. Well, um, so the record you got today does it have both record and slipcover? It certainly does. I'm very <laughs> pleased. It is 
the album is Pelican West and it is by the band Haircut 100. Haircut 100. Mm. Have you heard of them before you got I, this no. record? No, I never had. No, neither had I. Mm. Where did you find this record? Um, it was given to me in a box of like 100 records that someone was getting rid of. Okay. Yeah. And how much did you pay for it? Zero dollars. Um, would have been weird if they charged you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> or maybe it was like it would have been two dollars for the entire box and I would have yeah. divided by 100. <laughs> um, this way you don't have to do math. That's yes, good. exactly. It's the best. <laughs> What's it worth if you wanted to buy it online? Uh, like maybe three or four dollars. And can we listen to it online? Yeah. Digitally? Absolutely, yeah. You can stream it on Spotify, on other places, YouTube. Let's take a look at the cover. Let's. All right. The cover is a photo, like from above, looking down at six. Bird's eye view. Yeah, bird's eye view of six clean-cut lads. They must be in their early 20s. They're lying down on their backs on leaf litter. And I imagine that whoever had the vision for this photo, the leaves were like beautiful autumn leaves with hues of orange and reds and yellows. But then yeah. in reality, they're just like brown and gross. <laughs> <laughs> they left it a few weeks too long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. If only they got their act together just as the autumn leaves fell instead of, look, curly, like, rotting, yeah. decaying They are, like, days away from the first snow, I imagine. That's right. <laughs> like, we've got to get this done. We, we, we should have done it weeks ago when the leaves are all nice. They're still there. There's still leaves. We can still do it. But also, like, because of that, the, um, the three or four guys that are in the lovely cosy sweaters mm. – look like they're dressed quite appropriately, but one of them's got bare sleeves. There's always some maniac who goes through winter without <laughs> yeah, a jumper right. who insists they're not cold. Yeah. But, the, <laughs> I don't trust those you know, people. the goosebumps on their arm say otherwise. Yeah, and there's the same cool. people that wear tracksuits through summer. You're like, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do not trust you. <laughs> they're wearing really nice, like, white or cream outfits. So I do wonder about the decision. Okay, point of clarity there, Kat, mm. please. Um, those outfits that they're wearing, they are what's known as fisherman's sweaters yes. or Aran sweaters. Yes, that's true, and except for two that are just wearing button-ups. Small piece of knitting trivia for <gasps> all those oh, knitting, know, knitting trivia, my favourite kind. <laughs> Here we go. Um, no, they come from the Aran Isles. Islands, which are around there, an island in the um, Bay of Galway. They were, yeah, worn by fishermen. So um, there's also uh, apparently roots in the Guernsey Island of the same, a similar kind of sweater. Basically, most of the men were fishermen and the women knitted these sweaters that were really tightly woven so that they were mm. waterproof. Ah. And the sort of wool they used was kind of a quite waterproof. And they have very... Um, Intricate patterns, like it's mm. all one colour, but the patterns are made by what's called cabling. So it's yeah, sort of cable like these 3D, is what I would have described it as. Yeah, yeah. kind of um, uh, shapes down and different kinds of intricate stitches. And there's a bit of a – what I thought was true and then I looked it up to, you know – Double check. Yeah. To double check and it's apparently a myth. Oh. But they're, they're quite individual patterns. Every, every you know, pattern is individual. And I thought that um, it was so that – when a fisherman died on a boat and got thrown overboard, when they could drag the body and they could tell who, what family oh. he was from, oh. from the. But apparently that's unverified. It's oh, a bit sure. of a like a urban myth, but not yeah. urban, you know. 
Uh, um, Aran um, Island myth. <laughs> a re- remote legend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, that was yeah. a, a little quick sidebar on um, knitting. Yeah, I like and... them. I, I, I want to have one of those. Like maybe a different colour, but I, I like the style. Although I, I do, do wonder. One. It's um, oh, you do? a very similar one. Oh. That came from Salvo's. Yeah, <gasps> That's awesome. Give it yeah, to me. Anyway, go on. Um, I do wonder whether it is traditional to wear suspenders over the top of a jumper like this. Yeah. If one of the guys is on the left is wearing <laughs> suspenders, it's a, it's a yeah. It's a they're like all look. in white, um, mm. and yeah, there's the sort of suspenders, and they've got um, bow ties. Some of them. It feels very like Evelyn wore 1930s off to college at Eton kind of exactly very style. preppy. They <laughs> look like so. This record comes from 1982. And to me, they look like a boy band, but before like the polished boy bands of the 90s, like the proto-boy band look. Sure. Yeah. They're all pretty clean cut lads. Mm. I'll show you the back. Mm-hmm. Um, there are essentially just black and white photos of each of the band members, uh, like a portrait. Uh, the guy who is the saxophonist is holding a saxophone. Very fitting. And <laughs> there's also a guy holding a phone. That's the drummer. He's holding a phone. It's less fitting. <laughs> um, and then once you start, like, reading all the words, there's just, like, little little jokes everywhere. Like, Mark, oh, they all have nicknames. Mark, nickname Ilford Fox. He plays congas and Brazilian percussion, comma, idea hunting. And Phil, nicknamed Neville Smith, uh, all saxes, comma, all food. Like, some... Someone, like I guess the engineer, Mark Durnley, is also given the credit of hippopotamy? Hippopotamy? Hippopotamy. (laughs) Professor of hippopotamy? I guess so. Pat, I'm getting the impression that these people aren't taking themselves too seriously. No, they don't take themselves too seriously. They're having a bit of fun. A bit of a laugh. A bit of a laugh. (laughs) A bit of a giraffe. (laughs) (laughs) okay well that's the cover should we take a little break and then when we come back we'll have a listen to this record and we'll find out what it's all about let's do it last week many references were made to punk rock new wave music during our documentary program on melbourne fm station 3 triple r Punk rock has established itself very strongly in England and Germany, and its presence is being felt here in Australia. It's evolved its style from the controversial Sex Pistols band, who made headlines in 1976 with their blatantly anarchistic attitudes. Disillusionment, discontent, and a doomsday sense of the future are considered some of the reasons behind this present form of ritual, which has been assisted by new technology. Welcome back to One Dollar Vinyl. You just heard a snippet from a documentary that aired in 1980s in Australia on the ABC. Documentary was called Music Around Us and it was an exploration of what the heck this 1980s new wave music was. Gosh darn it. (laughs) And this is the musical scene in which we find ourselves, Kat. Yeah, and also like that accent that australian accent was hilarious so different Not something you hear on tv so much no anymore. or, or um, anywhere else that's yeah yeah like i think some people's grandparents i know like still kind of speak like that yeah but i certainly don't know anyone who has that kind of accent one of my favorite um things is the abc television uh social pages pages they'll put up 
the occasional video that it's like Vox Pops on the street. Yes, I know exactly what you mean. The um, 1950s and 60s, mm-hmm. asking people their opinions on, you know, controversial topics at the time, like mm. should a woman stay home and work? Yeah. And I just, I love hearing the way yeah. people speak. Me too. And even people who are like not posh people, yeah. like they're, you know, just working class, ordinary people still have such a controlled and polite manner of speaking. Definitely. And I feel like they don't say, um, and they don't have fillers. Like they, yeah. they have this fully formed idea in their head. Before yeah, they start thoughtful, talking. like really yeah. thoughtful and yeah, very isn't measured. Isn't strange that even we, children, I mean, even children yes, of the yes. time, like there was one. I remember watching one about like immigration, and the way that the children spoke was way more, uh, you know, thoughtful and profound than most of the adults I know at the moment. <laughs> I know, right? And now we live in a time where we're being recorded all the time. I mean, you yeah. and I do a weekly podcast and we can't talk to each other. We <laughs> certainly can't. No, we're the useless. amount of editing. <laughs> we have to edit so much stuff out. <laughs> oh, dear. But the way I just love hearing the accents, the way they yeah. speak. And, yeah, you're right, so thoughtful and so, you know, it's like I saw one with little kids and they were asking what would the year 2000 be like. Yes. And these kids were so composed and mm. it's like, I should think that we'd have all manner of technologies available to us and <laughs> things that would cook for us and perhaps a car that drives itself. <laughs> but I, I should think that perhaps we'd get a little bit tired of all the machines. <laughs> oh my God, that is so perfect. That's exactly- I feel a spin-off podcast, a Bruin. <laughs> <laughs> like reviewing and just adoring old videos of, you know, people speaking in the 50s in, in Australia. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. okay. <laughs> it's perhaps even more niche than the podcast we've got going now. <laughs> oh, my God. Like That's three fine. people listen to this. <laughs> we can't get more niche. <laughs> anyway, back to anyway, back to our back current to what, podcast. What are we supposed to be doing? <laughs> so we listen to that because, yes, Pelican West – uh, is a new wave album, but I think like you know, especially thinking of the the way that that woman described it, you know, anachronistic and things like that. Like it's like new wave light. From what I understand, new wave was a pretty general term mm. for the new music that was coming out at that time. This record's 1982. Mm. New wave was sort of born out of 70s punk and eventually turned into like what synth pop and so like bands like. Talking Heads? Yeah, I mean, Bands I think that's, like, that's probably like the yeah. the area that this that Haircut 100 is in. So mm. it's like um, when we talk about New Wave, we talk about quite fast tempos, choppy guitars. I'm reading, you know, this uh, critic talked about it having a twitchy, agitated feel to it. The, the personas of the people in these bands were... They weren't, like, super cool. They were, um, so, you know, like, we're moving away from, like, rock and roll and, like, the Mm. blues-inspired kind of rock and roll of the 70s. And now we're sort of, these people were kind of suburban and geeky. Um, Yeah, geeky. Totally. I think that's that's a big, big thing. Yeah, there's a quote here that says it's a nervous and nerdy persona. Mm. And also, like, a lot of people who um, were in art school and stuff. Mm. So it's all, it's it's like a bit clever, a bit arty, a bit Mm. bit geeky. So the main dude in Haircut 100 is Nick Hayward. He's the lead singer and the songwriter. And yeah, I think that that would 
describe him as well as the rest of the band quite well. And yeah, we'll we'll, yeah. we'll we'll hear there's like that very frenetic, fast paced energy throughout this album. But I'll tell you a little bit about uh, the the history and what the band kind of came from. Please do. Nick Hayward went to school with Les Nemes and Graham Jones. And <laughs> you really have to pause on that pronunciation of Jones. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Graham Johannes. <laughs> Johannes? Johannes. <laughs> and they were in a couple of bands together before Haircut 100. Those bands were called Rugby, Captain mm. Pennyworth, and Moving England. I. Bad. Yeah, <laughs> like Haircut 100, apparently that... That was the best of the lot. Yeah, that was the best. And that's saying something. And apparently the way they came up with that is they were all sitting in, uh, you know, Nick Hayward's house, just like, you know, spitballing, coming up with potential band names. And the idea was that they wanted to have the silliest name. And okay. whenever someone said haircut 100, they all laughed. They laughed and they laughed. And so <laughs> they decided that was the one. And you know what? It that- makes me think of um, like uh, some barbers, they'll have a bunch of pictures on the walls with a number and you go in and you're like, oh, I have the number 25. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. Yes. I think that's yeah. that's exactly what it's yeah. trying to be. It really reminds me of that episode of The Simpsons where Homer is in a barbershop quartet and they are coming up with the name and they say, how about something that seems really clever at first and then every time you hear it, it gets worse and worse? What about <laughs> the B? Yeah, more and more annoying. The B sharps. <laughs> and they laugh. <laughs> they go, Perfect. Yeah, look, and they're, um, the lyrical style of Nick Hayworth's songwriting is um, kind of on par with the band naming thing. It's absolutely all just pure nonsense. Nonsense. Yes, that is yeah. what we will we'll see like again mm. and again. Um, in fact, uh, one of so Graham Jones, uh, sorry, Johannes. Johannes. Uh, <laughs> um, I heard in an interview that he said that people try to analyze uh, Hayward's lyrics, and I don't think he can. I don't think he can. <laughs> Nick had some. So Hayward, had this this main dude, had some really strong ideas about marketing and branding, and like you know, this is a solid decade, I reckon, or maybe nearly a decade, before the polished boy bands of the 90s. So this clean-cut image and the nautical look, all his idea, and everyone just, like, okay. followed along. Um, and I, I think, judging by the success of this album, spoiler alert, it was very successful. Uh, hmm. Yeah, like, it, it must have worked. I love a band with a um, coordinated look. Yeah, me too. Yeah, a little bit of effort. Um, so this band had success, as I say. Um, they were really popular in the early 80s. They had four UK top 10 hits, three of them from this album, and this album hit number two on the UK albums chart, and for the year 1982, it was the number seven best-selling album in the UK. But it Yeah, was, that's yeah. really something, hey? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was a meteoric rise to fame. And then almost at, what's the opposite of meteoric? Well, I don't know. Meteors like go down as well. It was also a yeah. meteoric plunge into uh, their demise. Uh, so they broke up in in late 1982. Uh, mm-hmm. Nick Hayward was uh, we know now going through some real mental health issues, mm-hmm. and that manifested in not going to practice and like kicking people out of the band and then having them come back in. And he like seemed to, like yeah. he had a real ego. 
And apparently Which he like, didn't make for a great working environment for the band. Yeah, precisely. And apparently the rest of the band were told that he just like went on holiday when he was really like in a place that was trying to help him with his mental health. So they were oh, all God, really, okay. yeah, they felt really resentful towards him for that. And he was like the main songwriter and the lyricist, like, no, that's the same thing, and the vocalist. Um, yeah, that's a bad way to handle it. <laughs> yeah, terrible. Oh, he's just going on holiday. He's enjoying himself. <laughs> yeah. While you guys are slaving away, like trying to yeah. come up with a second album when your like leader, essentially, the guy with all the ideas, has gone off. And so what happened with their second album, they did it without him, and Mark Fox, who's the per- percussionist, okay, was just kind of like pushed into the lead slot so he did the mm. vocals while he was mm. like, you know, playing the congas, and they were trying to write songs as though they were guessing what Haywood, like they were trying to guess what Nick would have sang. Okay, that's a quote actually. Yeah, and yeah, like they released this album with just the the non Haywood members, and it really tanked. It wasn't good. Like it wasn't genuine, and yeah. um, and then they like broke up immediately after. Yeah. Yeah. What a shame. And then Nick went on to have a solo career. Yeah, somewhat successful. Yeah, he he continued to write songs, you know, as is clearly his his talent. Mm. Uh, and, yeah, did did have some success as a solo artist. Mm. But never quite as much success as Haircut 100. Exactly, exactly. Mm. Shall we dive into listening to the album? Yeah, let's have a listen. Yeah. immediately catchy to me yeah i love these guitar it's got some energy yeah um who did you say was the conga player what was his name mark fox he should be getting paid double yeah (laughs) he does so much work (laughs) on this album yeah but like listen to that saxophone like there are there are six like excellent instrumentalists yeah playing right now and it's coming together in like a unique way like you've got the latin beats of the percussionist yeah and the frenetic guitars and I want you to listen to the bass line as well because it's yeah bass player's doing a lot of work too excellent yeah and he does throughout the record um, that's Les Nemes who does the bass now this song's called Favourite Shirt and yeah. if you could sum up the thesis of this song Kat what would it be? Uh, nonsense romance <laughs> yeah <laughs> I think basically the only sort of meaning I could sort of derive from it was Getting ready to go out, putting on your favourite shirt. Yep. You're a boy going out to meet a girl. Essentially. And it's um, it's quite fitting because in another interview I heard, like, essentially they, they started the band so that they could meet girls. Yeah. Well, fair enough. I mean, yep. why does anyone else start a band? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, I freaking love this sax solo. So this guy, Phil, Phil Smith, um, he's just like a session musician that they brought oh, along. Can I just uh, interrupt? Yeah. Quick... Uh, Brazilian percussion break yeah. in the middle here. <laughs> that instrument that sounds like a bunch of monkeys. <laughs> oh, was that not a person going? <laughs> no, oh. it's it's a it's a percussion instrument. It's called the cuica. Oh. And what it actually is, it's a um, a steel like a, a metal drum with a drum skin on top, but underneath there's a stick that sort of protrudes from the inside of the drum skin, and you rub a cloth, oh. and it, it resonates within the the drum 
and it makes that monkey sound. Oh, that's wild. I, mm. I honestly Listen had to, um, zero idea. Basically any samba music. And yeah, you'll hear, and that's that. You'll hear that. Ah, yeah. Good for you, Mark Fox. Um, did you catch that terrible rap just then? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, feel the rhyme, take the time, go fighting to the top. Go number one, stick a honey bun, your mind begins to flop. Now take in steam, recall your dream. Hey, camisas, which is um, another language for shirt. And another language. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> do you know what it is? <laughs> no. We'll insert the actual language in post. Um, uh, your favourite shirt is on the bed. Do a somersault on your head. Probably not not trying to derive too much meaning from yeah, these don't do it. lyrics. Don't do yeah. it. It's pure. <laughs> that, that way lies madness. <laughs> pure nonsense. But overall, very fun, very energetic. So fun. And I feel like it would be very, they'd be a very fun live band. Yes. They did do a Top of the Pops uh, video for this and they yes. got like a bunch of teenagers dancing in the background and potentially not very easy to actually dance to <laughs> <laughs> yeah actually some, <laughs> some of the dance moves in the background were like quite frantic <laughs> almost elaine dancing <laughs> yeah i think that's the only like the 80s is sort of synonymous with some bad dancing yeah but i think and that that's why that's why yeah. Yeah, yeah there's no like smooth hip gyration no no yeah, it's all yeah. like elbows and the knees her- herky jerky yeah <laughs> Should we listen to the next one? Yeah, let's um, skip and go to, you know, speaking of nonsense, we're going to a song, uh, track number three, Lemon Fire Brigade. You have just heard... All the lyrics to this song. <laughs> why, oh why, Lemon Fire Brigade, why? Repeats 1,200 times. Uh, yeah, essentially. And look, it's a good question. Why Lemon Fire Brigade? Why? Yes, yes, I'd like to know. Mm. And also, like, I feel like this song um, has a bit more of a melancholy feel to it. And yeah. combined with the lyric, why, oh why, like someone's very upset with the Lemon Fire Brigade. <laughs> <laughs> So this is like a hugely instrumental song and I chose it because it showcases each of the band members' six skills. They all get a bit of a a solo. Yeah. I feel like it's just a jam. Yeah. One of them said in, in an interview that this first album was easy. It was natural. They, they said they barely had to practice because it just happened so naturally. Mm, just that chemistry that a really good band yeah. gets, yeah. And I just, I think this very well might be an example of that. It's just like a, a jam that's turned into a song. That riff on the horns is very catchy. It is, definitely. I know this isn't a very vocal heavy song, but I do want to comment on the, the style of singing that Haywood uses. Yeah. Like, it's, it's very typically 80s don't you think yeah like it reminds me of something very specific that i can't put my finger on my only sort of like it kind of reminds me of the human league absolutely yeah there's this it's just this style which which i reckon like rick astley used i reckon morrissey used it yeah i reckon is that like back of the throat singing exactly yeah yeah they kind of like raise the back of their tongue and lower their like Adam's apple, their larynx. Yeah. And it comes out like this. And it sounds like <laughs> very slightly muppety. Never gonna give you up. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And um, 
uh, I thought it was really interesting. They did a reunion show in the yeah. like early 2000s and Haywood did not use that vocal oh, style. Oh, he stopped singing like that? He did, yeah, yeah. He just okay. had like a, a kind of clear voice. There's always a style of singing that's in fashion yeah. because one person did it really well and then everyone else tries to yeah. sound like that. It's, it's always like that voice has almost come back, I think, particularly with female singers and they'll get like really close to the microphone and very breathy and, yeah. and do that muppety sounding voice. Yeah. And, there, and I, I can't say I'm a huge fan of it. Do you have any, any insight or any thoughts onto what a lemon fire brigade might be? Probably. Because here's my theory. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up and listen to me. That question was purely so I could say it. <laughs> All right. So you ask any man who's okay. ever lived in a house or owned um, a lemon tree. Sure. What's the first thing they tell you that is, like, number one in lemon tree care? Uh, I don't know. Is it is it catching on fire? <laughs> Every man will tell you that you have to piss on the lemon tree. Oh, God, really? <laughs> because that's the best thing for it. I don't know, what like, where this has come from. Oh. I don't know if it's just, like, ancient wisdom or what, but... I've never just, heard this. Like, Maybe the men in your life are just pulling your leg. <laughs> I've heard it from so many different oh. blokes. Um, and it's like, I think they just get excited because it's like licensed to just piss outside in the garden and but like, you're allowed to pee on the lemon tree, like nowhere else, you know, <laughs> but, but on the lemon tree, like it's good for it. So you have to do it. Oh yeah. Um, and I looked it up. So apparently, um, urine is very high in nitrogen, mm-hmm. which is also called urea. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is a particularly good fertilizer for citrus trees. Yeah. But according to couchtohomestead.com. Ooh, my Bible. Um, they advise <laughs> yes. that you should dilute your wee-wee or compost it before you put it on the lemon tree. Uh, I don't know how you compost wee, but you basically... You it's, piss on your compost tape or your worm. So oh. if you're using your fire brigade fire hose <laughs> to fertilise your citrus trees... <laughs> Oh, bloody Haywood. If you are a Nick member Haywood's of the Lemon Fire Brigade, green thumb and please dilute your wee. <laughs> Just spray it with a hose a bit as well. Because <laughs> it might be too much for your lemon trees. Yep, I think you've nailed it. That must be it. Why, oh, why? Why, oh, why? <laughs> and the answer, nitrogen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We've cracked it. We've done it, everyone. Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next conundrum. What have we got? All right, our final song that we will listen to is track 10. It is Love's Got Me in Triangles. Yeah, a bit of a different tempo on this Mm. one. It is funky with three A's and a Y. Not funky. (laughs) Not funky. Funky. And at the risk of sounding like a broken record, that bass line, so good. (laughs) (laughs) That one always catches me by surprise. (laughs) Oh, the the style of, like, we were just talking about, like, his vocal style. And how he sounds yeah. like a Muppet. He is leaning in so hard. He has drunk a full glass of milk before singing this song. <laughs> oh, you can hear the mucus on his vocal folds. <laughs> um, the lyrics in this, uh, once again, straight nonsense. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 
Love's Got Me in Triangles, Love Can't Pass Me By. Gold for Friday, work all day. Silver Mets Your Saturday. Playing Love is Going to the Top. Bop. It's almost like he's daring people to try and find more meaning. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, I will admit, admit though, the real reason why I wanted to listen to this song. Because, like, spoiler alert, all the songs are, like, either very good or pretty good uh, in this Mm. album. I I think they're all, all pretty solid. One of the lyrics is... Um, love triangles, love can't pass me by. Love Toblerones, love can't pass me by. <laughs> I just think it's genius. It's really just like random free association, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> it's just like, oh, talking about triangles. Oh, what's triangular shaped? Oh, uh, looking around the room, uh, Toblerones. <laughs> I was listening to an interview with him and, um, you know. He talks like that. Sort of asking him what his musical influences are mm. and he's just like oh I don't know if I can really answer that but like I don't know I like like toys chocolate <laughs> cars <laughs> almost like a puppy dog just being oh yeah like a Labrador or being like impressed by just things that he sees <laughs> yeah and that's how he writes his songs I'm sure just like yeah. yeah just whatever pops into his head and he's he's got like a like an interesting thought process, I would say, whenever it whenever yeah. it comes yeah. across in his interviews, just like his Very, turn of uh, phrase, loose. his vocabulary. He's, he's an interesting person to listen to because it's... A like, lateral thinker. A lateral thinker, yeah. Everything he says, I can say to myself, I don't think I ever would have said that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There was, I watched an interview with but him like with um, Dick Clark on American Bandstand oh, sure. when they went over to the states and did some shows over there. And Dick Clark says, "Well, son, you know you've had some success. What do you think is next for you? What do you? How do you think this success is going to affect you?" And uh, he said, "Well, I think I'm, I'm, we're probably going to eat more Smarties from now on, <laughs> as in chocolate. <laughs> as like, in he oh, can like okay. afford it." <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I mean, I think it was just like at that present moment he happened he to be thinking about, about chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> and like, there's something, there's something about an artist, whatever kind of art, who like thinks differently, and at the same time, like, uh, they're more affected by like bouts of depression or you know mania or like mental health things. Like it kind of goes. Yeah. Sometimes. Him. Yeah. Yeah. Just he's got a unique brain. I like it. Well, that's Pelican West by Haircut 100. We've had a good listen. We'll have a break, and when we get back, we will wrap it up. We will tell you what we think about this album and whether it's going to make the shelves of the $1 Vinyl Clubhouse vinyl collection. See you soon. Oh, come tell me, Sean O'Farrell, tell me why you hurry so. Hush me boogle, hush and listen, and his cheeks were all aglow. I bear orders from the captain, make you ready quick and soon. For the pikes must be together by the rising of the moon. By the rising of the moon. By the rising God, this guy of looks like someone who could be related to me. He just looks yeah. a lot like my uncles. One, yeah, one right. of my uncles in particular, yeah. I'll, I'll get Chris to learn this on the, the tin whistle. Has he got a tin whistle? Have you ever heard him play it? No. One day we had been dating for like nearly a decade at this stage. Yeah. We were just like at a friend's house and they pulled out a tin whistle some for some reason. And Chris just goes, can I have a look at that? 
And then he just starts playing it, like, perfectly, like this little ditty. And I'm just like, what oh the fuck? How have, you, how have you never told me? Like, how has this never come up? And he just gave me the smuggest look in the world. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I can do things. He did well biding his time to pull that yeah. out. Like. Yeah, that was. I was way more impressed with the biding his time than the actual playing of the tin whistle. Yeah. Especially for Chris. Like, it feels like if... I know. If he has something that he can do, he's never shy about it. <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad he doesn't do, like, he, he doesn't know how to do a backflip because he'd just be doing backflips all the time. Not unlike you um, doing the worm. worm at just every party we ever went to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but to be fair, I don't just do it spontaneously. It's always requested. You need to be asked three times to invoke right. the worm. That's right. Like Beetlejuice. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, welcome back to One Dollar Vinyl. You just heard um, a group called the Clancy Brothers um, from late 1950s, early 1960s. They were an Irish traditional uh, folk song group. And why are we playing them? Well, it's because when they did their tour of the United States, um, they got over, found it was very cold, and their mother sent them some white Aran sweaters. <gasps> Um, just like Haircut 100. Yeah, so the Clancy brothers um, started wearing those in the United States and uh, Americans were quite taken with the look and it became a signature look for the Clancy brothers. And then, um, however, you know, 30 years later. Yeah, here come Haircut 100 stealing their idea. They never thought they'd get uh, discovered and here we are. Another, like, 30 years later, 40. Um, <laughs> we yeah. put the pieces together. <laughs> uh-huh. But it was a bit of a signature look for Haircut 100 too, and I, I did mm. see um, quite a few interviews where the interviewer would comment on their white sweaters. Um, it was, a, you know, a noteworthy gimmick of theirs. And I like it. I reckon if my grandmother, my granny, was still alive, she would be able to knit those things. Yeah, with those types of jumpers. Whip one yeah, up in a really few hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I like visited her visited Ireland when I was like five years old, and she knit me two cardigans. Um, and then my cousin got really jealous because she lived over there, like you know, in the next street. Uh, she's like, "You were the new flavor." Yeah, yeah. She's like, "She's not your granny. She's my granny. She shouldn't be knitting you things." <laughs> <laughs> so Granny had to knit her something to placate her. <laughs> oh, you tough little Irish cousins. <laughs> yeah. Who's this? <laughs> she tried to gouge my eye out. Gosh, I'm getting all these memories flooding back. <laughs> Are we um, unearthing some bad stuff? Some trauma, yeah. <laughs> Perhaps we should go back to our, our record. What, did you, what do you hmm. think of Pelican West by Haircut 100? I like it. I think it's a very fun album. It's got catchy hooks. It's got very solid musicianship. I especially like the sax and the bass. Uh, the saxophone gets some like killer solos in almost every track, and I'm quite partial to it. Uh, it was part of the new wave sensation that particularly grabbed the UK in the late 70s and mid-80s. And as I said earlier, it does exemplify the music style, but... You know the light version, like it's the, it's almost like the the, I don't know the kiddie version. It's not not edgy. Yeah, it's I not complex. Music. I think it was for teenagers. You know what for I mean? Teenagers. Like I think that's yeah. that's who it was popular with. Yeah, 
and and it doesn't surprise me that they did have chart success in the eighties with this record, and that enough people remember them fondly enough to warrant a couple of reunion shows. Like I think yes. that there is a alternate universe where Nick Hayward never left, and they continued to release excellent music and they would have been as big of a name as, you know, any of those other new wave artists. And, you know, maybe in that alternate universe, as I was flipping through this, like, free box of records, I would have been like, oh, cool, Human League. Oh, cool, Haircut 100. I love these guys. Hmm. Yeah. I think, um, for what it's worth, I think they did better in their home UK than mm. they ever did in Australia. Yeah, yeah. I probably wouldn't wouldn't have been played on the radio like past that like moment yeah, in time. That moment. Yeah. yeah. There's like a silliness to it and a larrikin nature to the boys that it's uh, quite charming. I, you can tell just by looking at the the cover that they are larrikins, and so I kind of knew what I was getting into uh, <laughs> when I started listening, and I wasn't disappointed. What about you? I agree. It's a fun album. I reckon they would have put on a cracking live show. Mm. Um, I'd hazard a guess to say that perhaps they were a better live band than a recording band. Um, yeah. I'm not a, a big fan of like jam bands and um, it it sort of edges towards that sort of territory every now and again. Mm. Um, the songwriting, I think like the worst thing you can say about the album is that it does start to feel a bit samey after a while. True. That is very um, true. Yeah, and perhaps the songwriting, you know, might have evolved a little bit more if they'd spent more time together and released more albums. I agree. I think the nonsense lyrics, like, while they're fun, perhaps it, like, it didn't help to make the songs more memorable if they didn't sort of mean anything. I think when you, when mm. you're not saying anything, it's hard to offend anyone, but it's also hard to, like, Grab people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. But, you know, yeah. overall, I think um, this is released in 1982, Britain, which was a pretty dark and dreary place mm. um, politically as well as, you know, it's like record unemployment, um, you know, miners' strikes happening. I think probably it was just a good, fun antidote to the general vibe over there at the time. Yeah. And perhaps that's why it was so popular. It was just happy. It was just, just yeah. joy. And fun. Good fun. Good solid fun. Yeah. yeah. Do you think you'll hold on to this one? Yeah, I think I will. I'll, you know, give it a spin every now and again uh, whenever I want to have a bit of a, you know, knee and elbow bop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to throw yourself around slightly awkwardly <laughs> yeah, very <right>. fast. <laughs> yeah. What would you pay for this record? Uh, I reckon it's worth, you know, 5 to $10. Okay. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode and hearing about Haircut 100. We'd like to hear if you have any memories of dancing uh, frantically in a club in Britain somewhere. Uh, <laughs> and if you enjoyed this episode, please share it on your social media. Share it with a friend. You can reach us on Facebook and Instagram or you can email us at $1vinyl at gmail.com. Next week, we're going to explore a release from a very interesting Australian character, Father John Coots. You may know him as Father John Coots. You may know him as a rugby player. You also might know him as the name behind a furniture chain. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you, you may remember him selling lounges on the TV in the 90s. Um, so tune in for that one. And until then, 
As Haircut 100 rightfully pondered, Why? Oh, why? Lemon Fire Brigade, why? We, we may never know. <laughs> <laughs> no, you already solved it. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's pissing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.